My mom was sharing with me recently about a group text that she was in from back around Thanksgiving time. They all got together at my sister's house up in Illinois, and this year my brother and sister-in-law and her family came too. And my sister-in-law, Chris's brother, Nick and Nicole, just had their first baby. And so in the midst of this group chat, my mom sent out kind of a funny little meme that said, if the wise men were really wise, they would have brought diapers. Well, new father Nick chimes in and says, and wipes. And then Nicole chimes in and says, and a silent night. And I'll tell you, I thought that was amazing. I thought, you know, it's like that is a pretty amazing way to jump in on that. But I thought, you know, as we kind of close out our, you know, extended meditation on silent nights and thinking about that and using it as an examination of conscience. And of course, like, you know, all year long, silent, holy, calm, and bright. We want to be all of those things. But, you know, with this great solemnity of the epiphany, the Christmas season draws to a close. But just in thinking about Nick and Nicole and just any of us, like, you know, it's funny how sometimes after different experiences, I mean, becoming parents, how much more you appreciate a silent night than maybe in the past. And in looking at that and thinking about experiences and growing closer to our Lord, I thought this morning, I'm just, I want to share a story with you. And it's going to be a little bit longer than, you know, normally when I kind of just give you some experiences from the past. And it's actually a story that I've been wanting to share with you since February 6th of just this last year. It was a pretty amazing day. It was about a week into our pilgrimage in the Holy Land. And the bulk of it took place right where everything happens in the gospel today in Bethlehem. On February the 6th, that was the day that I had to wake up at 3 a.m. because we had to be on the bus by 4.15 And just like I tell the 7th and 8th graders, I tell pilgrimage groups, don't be that guy. Don't be late in getting on the bus. So I had to make darn sure I was not that guy and needed to be there by 4.15. And why do we have to be there at 4.15? Because we were going to do one of the most awesome things I've ever done in my life. We got on the bus there in Bethlehem at our hotel. We went into the old city of Jerusalem. We made the Stations of the Cross and we got to the Church of the Holy Sepulcher where the tomb and the site of the crucifixion are by 6 for 6.30 Mass in the tomb, which is amazing, right? Like the very site of the resurrection, we got to have Mass there. The deacon and I were literally inside the tomb of Jesus Christ. Now, that's not that story. That's for another day. But because we started at 4.15, it wasn't like a normal pilgrimage day that like you're going all the way until, you know, dark and dinner and all that. We got back to the hotel like four o'clock and just about everybody's like heading to their rooms to take naps. But I'll tell you, I think one of the hardest things for me on a pilgrimage is you're going and going and going. You're seeing all these amazing things like in that mass, these incredible sights. But we never get to slow down and just be in a place and just get to pray. I mean, we're a week in at this point, and I'm just like longing to just be with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, to just get to make a holy hour, just be in front of the tabernacle and just be there for a while. So we get back to the hotel, and I say to George, our tour guide, I'm like, where is the closest church? Like, I just want to go and pray for a while. And he's like, the Church of the Nativity? I'm like, yeah, I guess we are in Bethlehem, but I don't know. I just thought like maybe there'd be like a tiny church real close by. I'm like, well, how can I get there? Like, do I have to, I'm, you know, it's just the bus and everybody else. He goes, you can walk. I'm like, 
really? He goes, it's easy. So you just go down to the end of the street, take a right. It's like a 10-minute walk. You're right there. I'm like, is it safe? He's like, of course it's safe. No problem at all. Okay, George. So I grab my, my bag with my, my breviary, my Magnificat, and I head right out there by myself in Palestine. And if you've watched the news lately, yeah, it is tense. And it was tense back then in February too, but I was so excited. Like, of course, I'm going to go. George said it's safe. I go to the end of the road. I take the ride. I'm walking along. Let me tell you, um, it's a very different culture there. Like, they don't have a lot of trash cans around because of what might be put in them that could cause damage to everybody else. So, it's a windy, cold day in February. There's like tornadoes of litter around. The other thing I learned in that walk is that there in Bethlehem, like if you're going to smile and like look at people, that's a sign of weakness. So I guess they only do that with people they know behind closed doors. Like I was like walking through a sea of like the angriest people I've ever seen who either refuse to look at you or scowl at you. And so I'm walking along all this trash, right? People not happy. And then all of a sudden, I come to a fork in the road. It's like, you know, George didn't mention a fork in the road, but I'm like, okay, this seems right, correct. I'm going to go right. So I go right, and I'm walking a little bit further, and then another fork in the road. And then I'm like, well, I'm just, you know, we're going to keep going with this theme of going right. And at this point, after what he said would be a 10-minute walk, I'm at about 25, and then I've come to this, like, alley and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have been to the Church of the Nativity twice in my life. This shouldn't be too hard. Of course, both times it was on a bus with a group, and I'm walking through the streets of Bethlehem, but I'm in an alley. I'm like, I, I think this is going to be fine, and I start to move down the alley. My heart's starting to beat a little bit faster because at this point, I'm not entirely sure how to get back to the hotel. I think I can do it, but I'm not positive, and I'm not quite sure about moving along in the alley. And then someone finally talked to me. They said, hey, come in here and look at this. I didn't want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to keep going down this alley. I'm thinking it's going to be okay. And then it happened. I get to the end of this alley. I come into this, like, giant, like, square courtyard thing with a road kind of far across with these, like, trucks racing by with these Hamas flags and people looking very angry. But on the other side of that road, I see it the Church of the Nativity. And I will tell you, never in my life have I quite experienced that feeling in my heart like the Magi in the Gospel today. And this is another one of those times that the lectionary kind of lets us down. They were overjoyed. Let me tell you what, in the original Greek, it says it like five different ways. It's like, and rejoicing, they were overjoyed with great joy, and they cried out with joy. Like, it was just like over the top. And let me tell you, friends, I didn't see a star but seeing that church, oh my goodness, it was incredible. And I remember thinking, I can't wait till the epiphany to tell everybody about this, because it was just so good. And the Church of the Nativity, it's an interesting place, because on the outside, it's pretty humble. It's not like, you know, like you're looking at the Cathedral of Notre Dame, right? Like, it's, it's this, I mean, it's an older building. There's a big uh, arched entryway, but... At one point during one of the many Muslim occupations, like the guy in charge like rode his horse right into the church. It's like, ha ha. So the bishop's like, no more of that. He bricked in the big arch doorway and made the door to come in like three feet high. So if you're going to go in to see the king of kings, you got to bow down. And I love that. So I go into the church, right? And, I'm, and, and in a church like that, it's not quite like ours, 
where we have the tabernacle right front and center for everybody to come and pray. With this one, the tabernacle is in like a little side chapel way off to the side. I had asked somebody how to get there. I found it, and I get in there. And the thing is about that little chapel, you know, it's not all decorated up big, very humble, very subdued. But even though it didn't have like the great star that the Magi followed, I'll tell you the star that I was very happy to see there, and it's the star that I'm happy to see here every day. And it's the little one that's flickering right over there on the right-hand side of the sanctuary, that little red tabernacle lamp. That light continues to shine every day. And what does it alert us to? It alerts us to the presence of the same Jesus Christ that the Magi found with his mother right there in the house when they came in, right? That Jesus Christ is with us. And he's with us whether that star is so super bright, like, you know, 12 days ago when we were celebrating Christmas at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve, and the church was like 14 times more crowded than it is now, you know? Like all this awesome stuff and this explosion of candles and all these awesome poinsettias. Like sometimes it's like in your face, here it is, it's so amazing. And then there's times that it's like it was for the Magi. What happened to the star? Like, where did it go? Like, all the obstacles that are there, meeting with the crazy king and maybe not quite knowing the right way. But the beautiful thing is, is our Lord continues to be in our midst. And as we find ourselves here at the, you know, the, the last days of the Christmas season, as we set out into another year, the glory for us is knowing that whether that star is huge and bright, whether it's, it's a dark time and we can't seem to see it, We have to keep pressing on. And why is that? Because we know that Jesus Christ is in our midst. One of the other great things about the solemnity of the Epiphany is that he has come for all people. Every one of us has this longing in our hearts to know him and to be known by him, to come and open up our own treasures, to give him our gifts and our experiences, and to recognize that just like the Magi, we go home by another way. Because what happens? He gives us himself. He reminds us of the fact that no matter how dark the night may seem, that light, that star, continues to burn brightly. That he reminds us that he will not abandon us. That he is in our midst. And the other glory in this with all these experiences is not only will he not abandon us, is he doesn't condemn us to mere safety, right? It's not like, hey, don't worry, I'm just going to do all this for you. No, we have the opportunity, like the Magi, to keep going, to be reminded that he is with us in good times and in bad. He's with us when it seems dark. He's with us when it seems bright. He's with us all of the time. And so what are we called to do? To keep moving forward. To remember the fact that that star continues to burn and to keep coming for it, at least on Sunday, but as often as you can, to come, to be in his presence, and to adore him. Whether we're in the great glories of the Christmas season or right in the heart of ordinary time, the good news is, is we have a king who is with us. So my friends, as we move into a new year, make sure, take time with him to be silent. Keep striving to grow in that holiness. When you do, it helps certainly to be calm. And then thanks be to God, because he is in our midst, because that star continues to burn, because we have an eternity of joy and love with him to look forward to, we know that everything is indeed bright. Praise be Jesus Christ.